How are we all doing today? Man, I feel the spirit of the Lord. I feel his presence in this house. It's good to see your smiling faces. If you have your Bibles, we're in the book of John, John chapter 4. And uh, I, I'm starting a series here called Hero Worship because Jesus is my hero. <laughs> I, I, I know it doesn't feel like Christmas yet because it's pretty balmy outside. Nice 40 degree, 50 degree December weather, I'll take that. And I got to be careful because that one year we had the same thing. And I prayed that it would snow. You remember that, Lonnie? And it snowed and snowed and snowed. Lonnie rebuked me and said, don't ever pray for snow at the pulpit again. So I've learned my lesson. I have lived in Montana long enough. I know the snow will come. Uh, we are in the Christmas season. And uh, one of the themes at Christmas talks we're doing about worshiping the Lord. That's, that is what the wise men did. That's what the shepherds by night in their flocks were doing with angels. So I want to just take some time and teach on it. Now, I want to read John chapter 4. I want to read... Verse 21 through uh, 24. This is one of the uh, clusters of worship in the New Testament. It's, it's uh, the place people always turn to. John 4, verse 21. Jesus said to this woman, he said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers, someone say true worshipers. true worshipers, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today uh, for the Spirit of the Lord in the house, and I thank you that we would be a people who know uh, how and who we're worshiping. I pray you give us wisdom and revelation. I just thank you for your grace for me to get through this message today in the name of of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. You know, one of my favorite church memories of all time, I was probably 13 years old and uh, I was singing loudly off key with a prepubescent voice. I was like 13, hands in the air, acne on my face, loudly. My cousin was appalled. She was like 16, 17. She's like, what in the world are you? You look like a clown, but it touched her heart because she's like, he doesn't care. And you know, I remember that dance the day she got saved. <laughs> she came down to the altars. She said, my singing uh, and, and seeing me worship God really just changed her heart. I never forgot that. You know, one of the main themes of uh, Christmas is worship. You know, shepherds watching their flocks by night, uh, wise men coming to worship the baby Jesus. And so I am going to attempt to teach on the subject, particularly feel qualified to teach on this topic. This is not a topic that... Um, I consider myself an expert on the subject. Uh, it, it's a bit challenging for me because, you know, we associate worship as singing. Now, I am a man, and I'm not musical, and I can't clap on beat, as anyone on the worship team knows. They have told them, do not follow Pastor Jordan if he starts clapping. Yeah. Yeah. Singing, of course, is a part of worship. But worship, as you know, is much more than that. So since I can't sing well, I'm going to have to take a theological approach uh, to the topic of worship. I just told you John 4 is like a famous passage of scripture about worship. The, 10 of the 13 statements Jesus made about worship in the gospel of John came in this chapter right here. So it is a cluster of, of worship. And so I just want to give you some thoughts about it, uh, answering the question, because it's a loaded question. Uh, let, let's look at this 23rd and 24th verse here in John 4. The hour is coming. And now is, Jesus said. He, he, he's, that's an interesting statement. Hours coming and now is. He's talking about a whole shift in a dispensation, how they worship God. 
And we go from you know, the Old Testament rituals into the New Testament. When he said true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, because he said the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What an interesting phrase, in spirit and truth. That does sound a little mystical, doesn't it? I mean, that is John's literary style. He uses these phrases like the word become flesh. Here he's talking about, you know, spirit and truth. And so he kind of uses these interesting thoughts. But what, what it struck me as the first thing I want to identify is that worship is a matter of the heart. It's really what he's meant by this phrase, you know, uh, worshiping in spirit and truth. Uh, the Bible refers to your spirit. It's referring also to like your heart. Uh, out of your heart, the Bible says, proceed the issues of life. And Jesus called it your innermost being. It's that deepest part of you where you know right from wrong. It's the place where the conscience dwells. It's, 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 it's like the seat of, of who you are on the inside of you. And scripture tells us that it's imperative that you keep your heart. That's what Proverbs said. Keep your heart with all diligence. Uh, Book of Philippians says to keep and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, the thing about your heart is it's very precious to God. Your heart is the place where secrets exist. And listen, everybody's got secrets. Some secrets are, are little ones, some, some are big ones, some are dirty ones, some are clean ones. You can be married to people for many years and they still have secrets they keep alone. The secrets exist in your heart. Truth exists in your heart if you're willing to face it. If you're willing to look it in the eye and, and analyze it, you, you can see truth in situations. And the challenge with your heart is it's too small for the kingdom of God and for yourself to exist, for selfishness. It's a constant struggling tension over who gets to have uh, that, that place of your heart. It's a constant struggle back and forth. That's, that, that's what's taking place a lot of times in people's hearts. Your heart is also the reason why you are alive. It's, it's blood pumping through that heart that keeps your body going. So we come alive when blood is flowing and the heart is pumping. And, and one of the interesting definitions of worship, and I'll be addressing several of them this morning, is one of the ways we describe worship is it means to catch fire or to come alive. And so when God gets a hold of your heart, something happens in like this outburst of just expression, how much I love God. Your heart just starts turning. And I love to hear the stories of like, you know, instant conversions, supernatural conversions, or, you know, transformations. One of my favorite moments in church, man, I get up here and I see this dude in the back, you know, hands way up there. It's my friend, Bill Turnquist. Now, Bill's a worshiper. He's got stories like my have stories. His, his stories might actually be better than mine in school. He was a rebel, but God got a hold of his heart and now he's a worshiper. And I love to see that take place in people. I love it when worship comes alive in someone's mind. The challenge with the heart is that it can be deceptive. There's a mantra today that you can just kind of follow your heart. That has to be told people. Jesus never did say follow your heart. You know that? In fact, the Bible says the opposite of that. Proverbs 28 verse 26. It says he who follows his heart is a fool. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The prophet said it like this. Your heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. It says who can know their own heart? And the thing about a heart, it can become hardened through various offenses that you go through. Uh, you can become disillusioned because you get disappointed at some of the things in life that you expected to take place, and, and they didn't. And, and that's a place where your heart can get turned off. But it's interesting what he said here, that true worshipers worship God in spirit 
and in truth. So you need spirit. You, you need that heart to be part, but you also need truth. You, you need the scriptures. You need to know what the truth is in situations. What is the truth of the matter? I'm grateful for the Bible. And the Bible gives me a great mooring of what truth is. It's a moral compass. It's a guide. I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit. He convicts my heart. He tells me what's true. He, he helps illuminate my, my thoughts, my hearts, my mind. So I worship God, not just from my heart, but in a place of understanding what is true, what is right in the eyes of God. Now, I got to tell you, there's times when I don't feel like worshiping. I, sometimes I don't even feel like being very exuberant. There might even be days I don't even feel like coming to church. And you want to know what? The worship team told me they feel the same way sometimes. I know that might surprise you. No. But you know what I found out? It is that if I will put forth the effort, if I will release what I have inside of me, God will meet me in the moment. If I just reach out and I start offering the sacrifice of praise from my heart sincerely, that is a place where the Spirit of the Lord starts showing up. If I draw near to him, he draws near to me. And this can happen in the darkest moments, in some of the darkest hours, when you feel just so, I don't know if I can make it. And he shows up with grace and helps you. Man, there's something about giving your heart to the Lord in worship that allows him to move in your life. It allows truth to come into you. Now, let me give you a second way of worship. And I want to just back up in this passage to verse number 16. Here's Jesus. And he, he, he needed to go to this town, which was uh, in Samaria, with people who were like half Jewish. They were, they were Samaritans, were not total Jews. So it, it's a place that was unusual for him to go. Jesus meets this woman, and he said something interesting. He said, I want you to call your husband and come over here. And the woman answered and said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I appreciate your honesty. She said, you have no husband? In fact, you've had five husbands, and the dude that you are shacking up with right now isn't even your husband. So he said, I do appreciate your honesty. Sometimes that is one of the best approaches you can take with God. Just be honest with him. He already knows what's going on. And I found this in my own life. You know, If I have something in my heart, I just tell him the truth of how I'm feeling. But I want to make a point, and then I'm going to work my way back up into it. So the second thing I'm going to say about worshiping, here, here's a second part of worship, is you worship God with a clean heart. That's where worship comes from. Worship comes from a heart that's cleansed, a cleansed heart. Uh, that means it's free of guilt, contamination, free of shame, free from impurities, innocent, pure. I like what the psalmist said. We can come to God with clean hands and a pure heart. You know, the, the Lord is in this cleaning and restoration business. I mean, he loves to do that. And he's got any kind of methods, any kind of tools necessary to cleanse a heart. He does it through so many different ways. Let me give you a couple ways <coughs> that he will cleanse the heart and mind. First of all, he cleanses by blood. <coughs> I like what Isaiah said. Your sins might be like scarlet, but he'll make them white as snow. Snow, <coughs> thank you, snow is like the whitest white that there is. It, it, it's a shade of white that, that can't be matched by anything else. And the thing about the blood of Jesus, it's so powerful that it can <laughs> take that sin. <coughs> he can make you totally righteous in his sight. It's interesting that the blood of Jesus is what gives us access into the presence of God. His blood shed for you and me is what allows us to enter into his presence. Without the shedding of blood, we would not be able to even come and approach him. But Jesus' blood did that. It can cleanse a conscience. It can cleanse your, your, your mind. It allows us to enter his presence. Uh, 
he also cleanses by fire. That means he purges uh, from things like disease. In the book of Leviticus, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 13 and 14 deal with leprosy. Leprosy is an awful disease. Have you ever seen people who are lepers? They got fingers falling off. I mean, it's a horrible thing. And what they would do in the Bible, if they had a room where there were lepers, they would go in there with fire and they would burn the sides of the walls to purify and cleanse them. And so sometimes you go through fiery trials that you should not think are strange because what God is doing is he's cleansing certain things in your life. And it might be difficult. It might be painful. The heat might be there. But what God is doing is he's working something cleansing that allows you to really become a worshiper in his sight. Uh, Another way he cleanses is by washing with the water of the word of God, as scripture says. The word of God is, is likened to a mirror. So it's like when you open up the scriptures and you start reading it, you start coming across verses that say things like, uh, you know, you should love your wife, you should respect your husband. And then you might think about that argument you got into earlier in the day. And it starts to kind of work in your heart, or it might, you might come across Jesus talking about forgiving people. You're reading that and you start, someone will come to your mind about how you have an issue or a, a frustration in your heart. And, and what that is, is, is you cleansing yourself from the washing of the water of the word of God. It, it, it shows you your appearance. That's what this, this word does. It'll reveal yourself to you. The idea comes from the Old Testament, the priesthood. And, and before they would go into the holy place, they had to wash in the labor. That was a pool. And, and what they would do is they could see their appearance. They, they could groom themselves. They could look and see if they were cleanly enough to get into the presence of the Lord. It's a picture of the word of God. It cleans you up. The thing about the word of God is it renews your mind. So your thoughts are pure. Your thoughts are right. It purifies your thought life. It's easy to access God's presence when, when, when your thoughts are fixed upon him. It's easy to have the peace of God in your life. I'll tell you one way he's cleansing, and sometimes you don't think about, is he can cleanse you by confrontation. And that's what's happened to this woman right here. Jesus knew this woman's condition by the spirit. He's operating in the word of knowledge. He said, I know that man you're living with and your husband. And I like what he did. He, he lovingly confronted her. He did it when they were alone. He didn't embarrass the lady. And obviously, it got a hold of her. It cut right to her heart. Now, I'll tell you this. If you let God deal with you and you accept his discipline in your life, it can be a cleansing agent. It can bring deliverance to your life. It can bring correction so much you can see behavioral changes take place. But it's, it's the discipline of the Lord. And the scripture says we should not despise his chastening. We, we, we should embrace it. I found if I let God deal with me in private moments, it's so much easier in my life than, than if it has to be exposed publicly in front of people. There's something wonderful about God's chasing. He's dealing. It cuts deep, but it cleanses you. It can remove things that are impure out of your life if you let it. And so to worship God effectively, like this, this woman, he starts telling her about worship. It's because he's just had a very strong heart-to-heart conversation with her, and the truth is known, and she's got nothing to hide and nowhere to go. Her heart has been cleansed. Remember, he, he, he's got eyes of fire, and, and he, all things are naked and open to him, to the eyes of, with whom we have to do. He knows what's going on in your heart. And if you just say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I'm, I'm going to open my life up to you. There's a cleansing part of that that allows us to really enjoy worship, to go into God's presence. It makes, it, I'm telling you, it, it's where the presence of God comes into your life. So worship comes from a heart that's been clean. And I want to give you another way that he works in hearts. Let's jump back up to verse number 13. Here's a third way that worship works. Jesus answered, and he says to this woman, whoever drinks of this water, remember he's there with the woman at the well, 
you're going to thirst again if you drink natural water. But then he said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I like that. This is what it tells me. It tells me that flows from a thirsty heart. Now, this is a human need. You know, it's the second most important essential in your life. First of all, it's oxygen. You need air. Without air, you can't go for more than like three or four minutes. Without water, you can't go for more than like three days. Water is one of the building blocks of life. I'm reminded of what David said in the 42nd Psalm, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Now, there's another song uh, I learned when I was little. It's called, There's a Hole in My Bucket, Dear Liza. A hole in my bucket, dear Liza, a hole. How many remember that song? <laughs> See, what you have in your heart is a hole. It's actually a God-sized hole. And what people try to do is they try to fill that up with all kinds of things in order to satisfy the thirst that's in their heart. And they'll use pleasures. And then we've got a whole society that's addicted to drugs and medication and you know, all kinds of fun things. But if you've ever experienced that, you know it doesn't satisfy you. And then people will try to fill it up you know, with... You know, maybe people or relationships, sometimes they try to be promiscuous and think that's going to fill that hole up. They find out that always leaves them broken. Or maybe it's, you know, prosperity. You're after all this wealth and money and materialism and more boats and bigger barns and more stuff. And and then you find out that that doesn't fill up that hole. The only thing that can fill that hole up in your heart is the Lord. Isn't that right? I'll never forget being 18 years old. I was working at Boise Cascade in a lumber yard. Now, if you ever want to get training for the ministry, that's a great place to go. People will make fun of you, throw stuff at you, and put hair on my chest, man. <laughs> One guy, he was just harassing me all the time. You want to be a preacher? He made fun of me. And he said, I want to talk to you about this. I'm going to try to change your mind. So he said, let's go to lunch. So he took, he took me to Fuddruckers. We were over there eating. And he was asking me why I wanted to be in the ministry. I told him, I said, hey, I got this hole in my heart. I've tried to fill it up with everything. Ain't nothing filled up. And, and the only thing I could find to fill it up was the Lord. And I remember his reaction, he lurched back and he was like, I know it's true because I'm a backslidden assembly of God kid. (laughs) Yeah, his name was Gary. I just ran into him at the uh, gas station. I hadn't seen him in 20 years and that came back to my mind, man. I was thinking about that. I was asking him how his heart was. The Holy Spirit is 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 likened to a fountain of water. You know, the thing about worship is it flows from the fountain of God's spirit. Ezekiel talked about it being like a river. Everything will live where the river goes. Now, sometimes I get in church like this morning. I, I just couldn't help myself, man. And I just enjoy, you know, just singing to the Lord. I get carried away with it. Sometimes, you know, when I, when I feel weak, you know, I don't feel very good, and, the, and I feel God's presence, it's soothing, it catches me. I just, I get carried away with him. I just love to worship the Lord. I find myself in his presence. It didn't always happen in church like that. I mean, I found myself that way at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. I was so happy to be there, beautiful sunny day. And you got people from all over the place. And I walk around speaking loudly in tongues. And they didn't know, you know, where I'm from. So no one cares or looks at you. I just felt God's presence there. And I, I prayed. I had such a great time. And I could just feel the spirit of the Lord, the fountain of life, welling up. Worship starts flowing when you will face your flaws. When you're broken and in need. Like Mary, she had an alabaster box. And she broke it. And the fragrance filled the house where they were at. And what's interesting, I think it's Mark's gospel, says that wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done is going to be known. And it's not about the breaking of a box. What it represents is brokenness in a person. 
And what Jesus is saying is that, that in the same way she broke that box, if you are a broken vessel, it's easy for worship to flow. And, you know, I had this happen to me the other night, man. I, I got this new home we, we, we got. And, and so on the, I have a huge back deck that needs to be fixed. <laughs> I'm sitting there on this back deck and I have my fire pit. And, you know, this December has been such nice warm weather. I'm sitting out there and I start reflecting upon this last year. Because around Christmas, I get real sentimental. And I think about, you know, the year... I thought about the things that God did in this year and some of the trials that I went through. And I just started getting overwhelmed with how good God was to me, how he delivered me, how he brought me through things. And I found myself just worshiping the Lord. I found myself just praising him and blessing him, sitting there by the fire and just so thankful. And it came from a place of God dealing with me, God exposing things in my life, God working with me. I was so thankful for what he'd done. I just wanted to be in his presence. Worship flows freely when you surrender yourself. It's like... You, you get caught up in the current and the flow of the river. And, and you can't help it. It just, it just happens. Now, my dad had this story when he was you know, a teenager in California. And he got caught up in, in what's called the undertow in the ocean at the beach. You ever heard of that? And what happens with undertow, if you get it, it will catch you. And people drown because they end up fighting it. They struggle. And, and, and dad said he always learned you know, that if you get caught in the undertow, you just got to roll along with it. So he, he just let it take him and carried him. He thought, just as he was probably about to drown, he popped up about 100 yards, 50 yards down the beach. You know, and he, he popped up, he gasped for air. And what happens in moments, if, if you're walking in the will of God for your life, sometimes you might go through some difficult places. But the challenge is to just surrender to him. Roll with him. Go with it. Roll with the punches. Walk with him. Because what happens is you're walking in the will of God for your life. You get caught up in the work of God for your life. And, and I, what I've discovered is that people who are in the will of God, people who are doing the work of God, that's where the harvest comes. Isn't it interesting? In John chapter 4, he, in verse 35, after he sends the, the woman to, to, back to go get people from the village, his disciples come and then the village gathers around him and he tells everyone, lift up your eyes to the fields because they're white for harvest. They're ripe. And he's just letting them know, if you will be a worshiper, the harvest will come to you. People who worship God, people who know how to worship, people who know how to enter his presence, that's the place where harvest comes. I'm convinced a lot of times harvests don't come because people just don't know how to praise God, don't know how to worship God. They, they stay in hard spots, but it gets really easy if you just say, Lord, I'm a broken man, and I love you, and I bless you. You belong into your heart, into your life. He'll bring a harvest to you. He'll bring the things uh, that you belong into your heart. Now, I don't know about you. I am thirsty for a drink of God's spirit. We're living in a particular time in the church uh, era in the, last, in the last, I'd say, 10 years, where you know, it, it just kind of feels kind of like church as usual. And the way we do church today is all about keeping people entertained and happy and cozy. But I'm telling you, there is a move of the Holy Spirit coming. And it is going to shake some people up, man. This is what God does. It. He saves his best for last. And, and I, I'm firmly convinced in all my heart, America is ripe for a move of God. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a good old-fashioned, gully-washing revival. I believe that with everything on the inside because I know the God whom I serve. And I know his mercy endures forever. And you think about all the things God has done. How, how, you know, there's the worship movement that's taking place, the prophetic movement, the word of faith movement, charismatic movement. I'm telling you, all in one, you're going to see God do great and amazing things. And it is going to satisfy the souls of many people. It's going to a, a great drink of water from the Holy Spirit because only he can touch people in certain ways. Now, let me give you this fourth and final thought about worship. And, and I want to 
Go back to the original verse, verse 23. The hour is coming, and now is. Jesus said, we're about to shift dispensations. You ain't going to be killing animals and sacrificing stuff anymore. The hour is coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. I want to repeat that. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Have you ever had a Bible verse just pop off the page to you? I've never had that. I saw this verse right here. The Father is seeking such to worship him. Now, I just want to give you the easiest, most clear definition of what I can describe as worship. Worship is your love expressed. Worship is love expressed. You know, the word worship, according to Webster's Miriam Dictionary, means reverence offered to a divine being and act of expressing reverence. Um, The Hebrew word is shaka, which means to prostrate yourself, throw yourself down, bow yourself down. Another Hebrew word is yada, which means with uplifted hands. That's what we do in church when we sing. We lift up our hands. Uh, There's the Hebrew word hallel, which is where we get hallelujah from, which means to celebrate and jump around. Uh, The word tehillah, which means to sing spontaneously if you feel the spirit of God move on you. And then, of course, you've got the Greek language. The Greek word is proskinu, which, which means adoration by kissing. Another Greek word is epineo, commend and applaud. Uh, there's aneo, which means to praise God, sabomai, which means to revere God. And you can go in the Strong's Concordance, you can look it all up in all kinds of different dictionaries. But if you want to boil it down to one thing, it means you love God. I like what Deuteronomy said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. That's what it means to worship God, to love him with everything that's in you. And the Father is seeking people who love him to worship him. You know why I love God? He first loved me. He loves me. And it makes me want to worship him. I get excited about it. So worship is an expression of my heart. It's an expression of my love for God. You know, we worship God when we get here together and we gather for singing and song, and blessing the Lord. But as Jesus was saying, you know, he told this woman, you don't have to worship God on that mountain, Mount Gerizim, where the Samaritans go. You you, you can worship God anywhere with the Holy Spirit. He's telling them that. But I want to remind you, Jesus went to the temple. Jesus worshiped in the synagogue. That's what the disciples did. And in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Man, there's something about getting together and something happens in the house of God when you sing and you celebrate and you bless the Lord. And I, I just love being in his presence, singing with you all because you put up with my horrible singing. You don't care. I love that. We worship when we sing praise to God. Yeah. You know, uh, the Bible says in Psalm 22, he inhabits the praises of his people. He enthrones them. It's where he dwells in the midst of his praises. And something happens when the atmosphere is set with worship. It opens up hearts if the presence of God is in the house, I'm telling you, preaching is so much easier when the presence of God is there. If the presence of God is in the house, I get up to preach, I feel like I'm already in the flow. I feel like that people's hearts are open. I can preach, I can say things. It's, it's like easy to preach when the presence of God is there. He carries it and worship helps create that environment. I'll tell you how else we worship God. We worship God when we serve one another. You know, you, you, you think it's all just about being in church and singing. But you could be in the kids' ministry worshiping the Lord. It's a blessing to do that. You, you, you can serve God and worship God when you fix flat tires for people, take care of orphans and widows in their time of need, when you're helping people, when you be a blessing. That's what it means to worship God when we serve. That's what we do when we gather together. We find opportunities to serve people. But we worship God when we submit to him, 
when he confronts you, what will your response to him be? That's worshiping. You going to fight him or are you going to let him talk to you in your heart? When he asks you to do things that you don't want to do and you obey him, that's worship. I'm putting my hands up. I'm surrendering to you because I know you love me and you have my best. Now, I, I, it's a funny thing with God because I, I, I've, I've often asked him you know, what he wants me to do in situations. And sometimes the thing he puts in my heart is not what I want to do. So, you know, recently he very clearly told me, stop something. And I had to, I had to really like, okay, I'll stop. Uh, and then, you know, to make matters worse, I've asked him, you know, what he wanted me to do. And I was excited to do something for God. And he told me to just wait on him, which was not fun. I was like, really, stop, wait. And then times when I don't want to do something, he tells me to do something. Like, talk to someone. Like, step out and serve someone. Be a blessing in ways I don't, I don't always want to do. But when I do that, I'm worshiping the Lord. And I do it because I love him. Do you love the Lord? He loves you, man. I love the Lord. And I want to be found in his house worshiping. So, you know, as for me, I'm going to keep on worshiping the Lord. I'm going to keep uh, being in the front row clapping and singing loudly off tune. And I have a neighbor, she watched us on Facebook, and she would tell me, she was like, I like watching you guys because you jump around a little bit. <laughs> I, my jumping around, that's what I do. I love to worship the Lord. I love to sing his praise. Are you a worshiper? Let me ask you, is, is your heart clean before the Lord? It's amazing with secret sins, man. They, they might sneak up on you. You know that because your conscience might convict you of something. I have found I can't access the presence of God if I've got something weighing in my, like in, in my life. It, I'm like the rest of you, man. My, my wife and I have a good marriage, but sometimes we hit arguments. And it's funny how it, sometimes it happens just before I got to put a sermon together. You know, so if you're trying to hear from God and then you got an argument, it's like, man, I can't even hear from him at all. I have to make that right before I hear from him. That's the same thing with coming to church, man. Sometimes, you know, if you've got problems in your life, you've got pain, it's hard to really enjoy God's presence. It's hard to be in his presence if there's something not right in your heart. And you know what's amazing about the Holy Spirit? So good about him. He, like, like the woman right there in John 4, he, he might take you aside privately and talk to you about something that's hindering you from his presence. Man, that's a wonderful thing that he does. He's so compassionate and gracious. You'll never meet anyone more compassionate than God. And he's got a way of correcting and exposing things. And if you want to be in his presence, if you want to really enjoy all who he is, then when he corrects something, take it. That's how your heart gets clean. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart before the Lord. Uh, maybe it's about being thirsty for more of God in your life. That means you got to get to church. we got a whole church culture today. People show up at church like a couple times a year now. They show up once a month. But if you really are thirsty for what God is doing, what he's saying, what he... You'll make it a priority to be in the house of God, you and your kids. Yeah. You'll make it a priority to have daily devotions. I always get excited this time of year because I'm reading through my one-year Bible and I know I'm coming to the end of it. I can't wait to kick it up again. I'm going to be at like 45 times through the Bible. I love reading the scriptures. Daily devotions have been some of the most precious time in my life. It's almost automatic. God speaks to me in those moments. I love his presence. I love being there with him because I'm thirsty for him. 
He meets me in moments like that. I, it, it's like devotion satisfies my the longing in my soul because I get to be alone with him. That's how I know I, I, I want more of him in my life. Or you love God. If you do, you'll keep his commandments. You'll obey his word. And you'll sing his praise when you feel alone in darkest moments. And you'll watch as he shows up and intervenes in miraculous ways in your life. How many of you feel like you could be more of a worshiper? I know I could grow in this. Do, do, do you want to be true worshipers this morning? Worship him in spirit and truth. I want to pray that over you. I thank you, Father, this morning for this group of people. And I pray, Lord, for hearts and minds just come alive. Come. I pray for the river of the Holy Spirit to come. I, I, oh, I pray, Lord, for you to intervene in people's homes. Visit their homes. Come to their home. Yeah, meet, meet us where we are, Lord. I pray that we have supernatural encounters with you, just our own personal times, and we become worshipers. I, I pray, Lord, it would happen here at church, but I pray it be privately. Private practices. Alone times with God, I pray it would increase. I pray you to overwhelm us. I pray that we would just have the sudden urge to just bless you and lift up the name of the Lord and love you. Mm. Love on you and bless you. Father, we love you. Let's just, you know, I'm going to do something. Just, let's just take a moment, lift up your hands. Let's just worship the Lord together. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit with me. You can sing in the Spirit. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for filling us full of more of your Spirit. God, Oh, Lord, I thank you for flooding us, flooding us. Ooh, rich and deep and intimate personal moments. I pray that in people's lives. God, do something alive and well and fresh. Do a fresh work in this church. Do a fresh work in the lives of your people. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for thirsty people. I thank you for hungry people. I thank you for people that love God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. And I love the Lord. Jesus made such an interesting statement in this passage of Scripture. He told this woman, you worship what you don't know. We know what we worship. Because he said salvation is of the Jews. That is an interesting uh, thing. The Jewish people worship the God of the Bible. And as believers, we, we know the God that we worship. You ought to be grateful for that because there's not a lot of people that really know the Lord. I mean, think about what Jesus said. Take my yoke and my burden. It's easy. You can know him. You can walk with him. Every time, the time I was in India and I came across uh, a guy at the airport and he had an American accent. You know, when you've been surrounded by a half a million people talking with accents, it's annoying. So you hear a Los Angeles accent, you're like, my boy, you know? <laughs> and, you know, he, he was telling me about his time in India and he said something strange to me. He said, you know, one thing we like about... Indian religion here is we got their religion right. And I said, really? I said, you know why? I don't understand how you can have 300 million gods and expect to know any of them. And it reminded me of the temple that I went to. I got to go to the temple. I got a video here I want to show you. I went to the temple of Sai Baba in Shirdi, India. Now there's, 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 the, there's Sai Baba right there. There's a golden statue. Is, that, is the video playing back there? It was the strangest thing. I walked into this uh, room and there's all these people and they were like, you know, sitting there in, in, in different, you know, languages doing their thing. It was just, it was the strangest thing to witness, like, so foreign to Americans. It's just a, a weird place. I, I was thinking about how grateful I am. Here we go, watch this. Uh, it was so surreal to be there. I mean, they're, they're people gathered, and they're just worshiping, sitting there at, a, at an idol. 
right up there on the platform. It was the strangest thing. You can't know that idol. Later, we had to go walk through the temple. I, I went with a guide, and she took me to see some of the idols they worship. It was a very interesting experience. I, I'm so grateful for the God of the Bible. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful I get to know him. But you know, in America, we end up worshiping things like money and materialism. Sometimes we put our families ahead of even God. And um, they're gods that you don't know and they can't save you. But Jesus is my hero. And he's made a way to God in my life personally. I'm grateful for that. Are you grateful for the Lord? I just want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you've got some idols in your life. Maybe, maybe your worship is misplaced because you are worshiping something. Maybe it's focused on something else. But I want to give you a chance this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed to just say yes to the Lord. I want to be a worshiper of you. I want to know you. I want to give my life to you totally. I want to submit myself to you. I don't want to be caught up with other things. Hmm. You want to put a hand up and I want to pray with you. Yeah. About the Lord. Amen. He loves you. Such a great time. Yeah. All right, man. I don't see any hands up there. You know what that means? It means it's a holiday season. It's a perfect time for you to be a witness. Bless someone. Invite them out to the house of God. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Let's stand up this morning. I just feel the, I feel the presence of the Lord. And so, you know what? I, you know what? It happens when you revere God, when you worship God. You feel reverence. I feel reverence for the Lord this morning. I feel that the Lord is pleased. He wants to be worshipped. Let's just do that. Just as we close out this morning, I want you to just put your hands up, and I want you to say, Lord, I want to surrender to you. I want to know you in a deeper way. Father, I thank you. I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I feel the sweetness of his presence. I do feel like the Lord is going to visit your home. Mm, Jesus. Jesus, you're wonderful. Thank you for bringing correction into our lives. Thank you for bringing richness and depth and mercy and power. Father, I thank you for revealing yourself in our homes. I thank you for setting our hearts on fire to receive more of who you are in the name of Jesus. How wonderful. Man, I feel the Lord's presence. I feel the Lord's presence. Let's just take a moment and linger in it. We love you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your hand in my life. I'm grateful for your correction. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. I just feel like the Lord's calling you deeper. And in this next year, I want you to make it a goal to read your Bible. Really get into the scriptures. Get to know him. Get acquainted with it. That's where, that's where he is revealed. You get in the scriptures, man. He'll show himself strong on your behalf. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I feel the Lord's presence. So if you need prayer, we're here for you. It's great to have you out in, in this wonderful time of year. I, I want you to know I love you and the Lord loves you. And he loves you so much. So I'm going to dismiss the service, but I just, I want you to keep that music on. I just feel God's presence. So we, we love you all very much. If you want to come down and pray, man, we're here for you.